Lucky Land Casino asking people what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kids' PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Welcome to the Punk Rock and Beer Podcast. What's up, everybody? I'm Finn McKenty. This is the Punk Rock NBA Podcast. Today's guest is my good friend, Drew Russ. Drew is a music video director who's worked with a few bands that you may have heard of, such as A Day to Remember, Beartooth, Pierce the Veil, Sleeping with Sirens, August Burns Red, and about a billion others that I'm not thinking of. He's been making videos for about 10 years now, and as you might imagine, he's learned a few things along the way. So I wanted to have him on the show to talk about the process of making a music video and why his are so good, because he makes some of the best stuff in the game. What I love is that he always has an idea. He always has something more than just the default. I've been talking about this lately as far as when you make content, don't settle for the default. Drew is a great example of that. Hopefully you'll come out of this with something inspiring that'll help you push yourself to do something better than the default next time you're making something. Before I get into the show, there are a few ways you can help out if you like what we're doing over here. Number one, you can share the show on social media. Please tag me, the guest, and our producer, Deanna Chapman, in the show when you share it. That really helps us spread the word about the show because as you've probably noticed, The platforms themselves, such as Spotify, Apple, all the other ones, they really don't do much. So when you share it, it really helps us a lot. We really appreciate it. Second thing you can do, if you really, really, really like it, you can support us on Patreon. Patrons get access to every episode a week early. There's a private Discord server. There's an opportunity to have me review your band or podcast or YouTube channel or whatever else it is that you do and a bunch of other benefits. If you're interested in that, there's a link to that in the show notes third thing you can do if you want is you can buy some merch there's also a link to that in the show notes we've got some nice hoodies and shirts and a couple other things check that out if you're interested lastly i want to thank our producer and editor deanna chapman as always without her i could not do this show she is the key to the whole thing so if you have a podcast that you want to get off the ground or if you already have a podcast and just want to do it bigger and better, give her a shout. There's a link to her website in the show notes as well. And with all that out of the way, let's get into the show. Happy Wednesday, Drew X Russ. Hey, how's it going? Before we get going, I just want to say, and you don't you don't have to say it back or anything. I just want to say I really like you. Thanks. I like you too. You don't have to say it back. It's okay. Okay. All right. I'll rescind that. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, since we got that out of the way, thank you so much for doing this. I'm really excited to get to unpack this for everybody. You know, we've worked on a few things over the years and, you know, you have been one of my favorite people to work with because you do so much with so little. And to me, like, that's what this is all about. You know, like everything that I talk about on the podcast or on my channel or whatever, it's like doing cool shit without a bunch of money and without really knowing what you're doing yeah. is what it's all about. Well, I'd like to think I know what I'm doing by now, but yeah. You do now, yeah. But, you know, we, we didn't when we were starting. So the first real video you did was a day to remember uh, right where you want me to be. Is that right? Like the first big one? Correct. Yeah, the Christmas one. That's a 
pretty big thing to do as your first big thing. I don't think I know. How did that come about? What were you doing before that? I kind of came up with those guys. Um, you know, we're from the same city, Ocala, same place as Andrew Wade and all those other people. And um, I had just started, you know, my old band had broken up and I had been wanting to do video work for a while. So I did a couple like bonus segments for like a re-release on their DVD of Homesick. And then that kind of just turned into us doing like studio updates. Then we started, I started touring with them, just documenting stuff like, you know, things like that. And then we were actually, they went back in the studio to record that song as a B-side. And then we were going to do a studio update thing. And then I think it was Neil. Neil was like, hey, what if we, instead of spending the money that we have for these studio updates, what if we make a music video and like, it just went from there and his, his mom had like a spare property, like a house that they were like renovating. So he's like, yeah, my mom says you can shoot in the living room. Great lady, by the way. But uh, And then so we had like a day to prep and like a day to shoot it. So we just decorated the whole house. I spent like I was up like I was like first of many 24 hour days right. in my career. And then we just like kept it like silly and goofy, you know, it was a Christmas thing. Since it was a B side, there wasn't a whole lot of pressure, but that video was only like, they had two grand. So I was like, fuck it, I'll do it, you know? And um, we were like, well, a music video is way cooler than a studio update. So then we just, I, uh, you know, called up a guy who had the camera. That was the first shot I did on a DSLR when those were all the rage. We did that. We, we put it out like on the internet, like that day, like, hey, free house party, come through. And it was just like, we just shot performance. Then we had a bunch of goofy ideas like them sipping cocoa and reading Christmas books. And then it was just kind of like you put those guys, like every time I work with those guys, like certain ones, especially like Neil, like uh, they, there's always a level of like ad libbing and them just being themselves in the moment. So we just kind of like had, you know, we had all the shots we needed for the video performance wise. And then it was like about an hour of just like goofing off. And then I just like, went and did it and then that was cool because at the time i had like no real music video reel like because i was just doing documentary style stuff and so because of that i had a okay like an actual music video by a legit band and then uh just kind of went from there there's a lot of things in there that i want to ask about hopefully i won't forget them okay but the first thing is like that's a good video and I'm amazed that that's like really your first real one. It's the first time you shot with a DSLR and like that video is good. It doesn't <laughs> at all seem like something amateurish. Well, yeah. I mean, that's what I always, uh, I always joke with those guys too. When you said making something out of nothing, I always call it squeezing water out of rocks, yeah. you know, <laughs> like always have like very limited budget or time. And then my thing is like, I'd always want to make a video that was too, okay, that was too grand. Well, I want to make it look like a 10 grand video, you know? And so I had been, at that point, I'd been studying a lot of other, um, you know, music videos as one does and just seeing like how to like, you know, compile a shot, shots that cut together with it. And, you know, I did a DVD with them for a bonus of Homestick. Yeah. And so that was, yeah, that predated that. Yes. I edited a bunch of documentary style stuff and I also worked with this natural history filmmaker in Ocala that does National Geographic and things like that. So I've edited a ton for him. He was the one who kind of like, all right, well, if you shoot a wide, you got to shoot a tight. So you have detail, but if you just have details, you don't know where you are, like basic stuff like that. And so, right. I mean, that really, I, I can't remember my whole thought process then, but I was like, well, 
I was also like, well, this is like a legit band. I better deliver. And then I just, the main thing is writing a shot list. So, you know, you have a wide, you know, you have a medium, you have a tight, how are you going to shoot the drummer? How's that going to cut with a guitar player? You know, you don't want to have like the exact same shot of all the guitar players. So you have something to like cut to and from. That's the missing piece that I was wondering is like, how did you learn that? And uh, is that the guy that I met, the wildlife guy you're talking about? Yeah, at the Ocala Fest. Yeah, that kind of fills in a blank for me is because for a lot of self-taught people in any field, I feel like they're oftentimes missing the fundamentals. Just like when I started doing graphic design, at first, I eventually went to school for it, but at first mm. I was self-taught and I knew how to do some kind of cool tricks, but I didn't know a lot of fundamentals. And then when I went to school, it kind of filled those blanks in and you know, it sounds like he was sort of the person that gave you those fundamentals so you could walk onto set, you know, for a music video like that and not fuck it up, which I definitely would. <laughs> yeah, no, and I, I edit, actually edited a, another music video for him as well. Like, it was this guy, it's funny, it was in Ocala, this guy Bruce Swedeen, who uh, actually was an engineer for Thriller and, like, a bunch of Michael Jackson stuff, um, actually has a studio, like, five minutes from my parents' house now because his wife likes horses, fun fact. We had edited a music video, and at first, that was like my first video I was editing, and then he would just come in, because he's not an editor, he just shoots really well, and he would just come in and be like, okay, well, this cut isn't working with that cut, because it's like the same thing, composition-wise. So then, yeah, basically editing a bunch of stuff, and even things I had shot documentary-wise, I like, you know, you kind of learn, like, when you get back home after shooting, you're like, crap, all these shots are like the same framing, or something different and then you see in the edit room like oh, this isn't working and so i just had to think ahead of that and go from there but yeah he really drilled in the wide medium and tight shooting and ed- like yeah. shoot for the edit and that's what he does i mean he's out there with like bears and alligators and all kinds of animals but he that's what he does if he shoot like it's way different you can't do a retake when you're shooting wildlife so if he has a great shot of a deer he's like okay well how am i going to get a detailed shot from this far away do i zoom in do i like can't really change positions without them getting like spooked off, you know? Right. So different things like that. In music videos, you have the ability to like move people around instead of like an animal running away or towards you. But musicians are kind of like animals in a lot of ways. Yeah. Same same yeah. level of hygiene, equally easily <laughs> spooked. Yeah. Uh, I mean, it's, but well, it's tell, tell me about that part though. You got to have the right vibe on set, right? Like if people, mm-hmm. if you're shooting a video and people think you're a dick or they're stressed out or whatever, they're not going to have fun. It's not going to be a great performance and that's going to come through in the final product. Yeah. And you're always working under pressure because it's always tight timelines, tight budget. How do you kind of get people to do what you want without ruining the vibe? There's a couple things to that. First of all, like personality wise, you have to be in control of your idea, but you have to be a personable person. You have to act like you care not just about your shots, but also what you're doing for them in a video because it is their song. It is like it could be, you know, incredibly personal lyrics, blah, blah. So you have to have you have to be a cool guy or girl like you have to be approachable and talk to. And if there's something that they don't like or don't understand, then they feel like they can tell you on set because you want to be in control, but you also don't want to be intimidating because if there's a shot that they hate, but they're too scared to say on set, then you get back to the edit and they don't like any of those shots. Then you're like, well, I could have done it exactly how you wanted, for example. Um, But I think the biggest thing is knowing why you're shooting what you're shooting and for what purpose. 
So that goes into you have the idea, then you flush out the shot list. And that's everything that you want to get, like whether it's storyline, performance, and then like beauty shots. So, you know, there's there's kind of like, I don't know, I call them like building block shots that are necessary for the video. Then there's kind of like beauty wish list shots. And sometimes it's like you have to decide, is this video about a story that has to make sense? Or is it about a mood or a feeling? And what's more important, shots that make a story make sense or a mood? It does it. I mean, it's all every video is one way or another, a combination of those. But at the end of the day, you have to know why you're doing that shot. So if someone comes up to you, whether it's because like on, on big shoots, like you're in L.A., you just don't have the band. You have label, management, agent, anybody right, right. could be there and they need to have answers. Right. So do we really need to have the shot of him standing on the forklift? And then you need to have an answer for every one of your shots. So if there's something that they don't like and but it has to make sense for the story you have to be like well this is why we need this shot to fill in the gaps between a and c here we need this b shot what don't you like about it what can we change to still make to have it its purpose how do we connect the two in a way that you like yeah and it, it, it goes for any i mean it doesn't have that story is an easy example but if uh and then that's also in my experience too sometimes like if i feel like a shot like a band might not like the way they look in it like Sometimes you have to like separate them, you know, if it's something like this shot is necessary for the story, but there's a possibility they're not going to like it, make it into two different things, like make it two different shots, like a beauty shot or like, you know, ethereal aesthetic shot and then a building block thing. That's personally how I like to do it. But ultimately, you have to have a reason for all your shots, you know, sometimes even if it's like this is going to look cool, you know, but then something always changes on set. Like if it's outdoors, the weather, someone has a change of mind about something the location isn't exactly like you think it's going to be you name it something always changes and if you know if you prioritize your shots which you need the most important and for why then when those changes come up you can make adjustments or cut shots you don't need like hey on the shot list there's 20 more shots we have an hour left of shooting what's most important what can we do the quickest and you have to like compromise like you know, have we covered everyone correctly? So ultimately you just have to have a reason for it. And that, that, that comes back to like, I don't say comforting, but if a, if a band member or artist or management has an objection to something and then, then they can feel like they can come to you and say it, then you can work it out with them with like real points to make, not like, cause I said so, cause I'm your dad and I said so. <laughs> yeah. Or like, for example, like one Beartooth video, uh, beaten in lips, I had a whole color scheme painted the room and it was like teal. And then we had like orange highlights, like the art department, it fit with her orange calves, but I did it for the skin tones and the commissioner of it. Uh, she's awesome, but she came over and she's like, do you think that's the person who pays for it? Commissioner is basically like, uh, the labels rep, Like the label has an artist and they want to do a video for it. They make up a brief, which is all the details they want in the video, like what they want, how much it's going to be, the budget, all that. Then they send it out to a series of reps who rep um, directors and they're like, who would be a good fit? Sometimes it comes like directly to you and no one else. But a lot of times they send it out to a bunch. And so the commissioner is like, is kind of like the person in charge of finding the right director to the vision that the band and label and all that. So they have a, you know, you might have an idea of what you want out of the video being your creation, but then you still have to answer to what these people want out of it to like either highlight a person. And it's an important person because he or she 
could potentially give you a lot of work in the future. So you don't want to tell them to fuck off. Yeah, exactly. And it's very important. And you can't just like, it's not like one of their friends coming up to you and be like, Oh, I like this better. It's like, it's a person that like you need to know your answers to. And, you know, she came up and she's like, I think these curtains are a little too heavy handed. And we were like running out of time, but I I had an answer. I was like, I don't want to change it. And we don't have any other curtains, but they were there for a reason. I was like, well, once we color correct it and it balances, it's going to make everyone's skin tones pop off this blue. And it's going to be like something we planned out. And it was something I previously talked to the art department about. So, and then she's like, okay, that makes sense. Sounds good. And it was a non, it was a non-issue. But if I just like threw something up there because I thought it looked cool, then it would have been like, uh, she thought it was an issue. She might've been, she was probably, she would probably be right in that case. Yeah, exactly. If it was too busy or something, but yeah, you know, that was an easy example. And then, and then just on example, like what you said, the same commissioner, I did another bear tooth video, uh, the one where he just smashed a bunch of stuff in slow motion. And then she was on set and that shoot was awesome. Cause who doesn't like smashing stuff? And it was just <laughs> funny. And on that set, she's like, Oh, I love Drew on this set. Uh, I'm going to send him over a Nickelback offer this week. I didn't get it, but still. But eventually you will. You keep getting enough of those offers, and eventually yeah. one of them will come through. Yeah, I've written on a couple Nickelback ones. It's just been like, a, you know, things happen. Yep. Yeah, that's just an example of like, if you know what you're doing, then when important people ask you questions, you need to have an answer. I might have rambled a bit there. <laughs> you? You never ramble. <laughs> so everything that you just talked about to me is, I guess the way I would would categorize that as like the big boy way of doing things like the right way of doing things. Mm -hmm. And obviously you get great results with that. But on the other hand, there's a lot of people, especially like these rappers that are doing videos where they don't know the rules at all. It's just like their girlfriend shooting it on an iPhone and then they do some weird edit and it's fucking cool, even though they don't know any of the rules at all. What are your thoughts on that? It's, it's not what I want to do. I'll put it that way. Like, I'm not going to hate on anyone making content and doing their thing and, you know, coming up DIY, but as like a director, you know, I feel like that's just, I don't want to sound like a snob, but I don't want to be just a content creator. Like I wanted to be a director and like, I want to like storytelling is a big part of it. it. And even if it's so nothing wrong with what they're doing, it's just not what you personally want to do. Exactly. And I think when I started doing music videos, Instagram wasn't even, I don't even think they were around, but now it's like, they'll use any content like me. I was always like, okay, how does this, how does this video elevate the song? How does it reflect, uh, reinforce the theme of the song? How can I build something that's symbolic, you know, name it. And I'm thinking that level. And then, yeah, you have these, YouTube rappers that, just, I mean, whatever, SoundCloud people, you know what they are. Like, yeah. yeah, they just throw up just content and visuals. And then you just have people in the comments who are just like, you know, teenagers be like, oh, this is fucking art, bro. Fucking yeah. art. And it's just like, well, cool. But I mean, not for me. But I feel yeah. like as a director, you need to have strong opinions on what you like and mm-hmm. don't like. But you don't have to like hate on it. You know yep. what I mean? Like. If you want one of those videos, Drew is not the guy to go to. Yeah. I mean, I could feel like those are those ones like, well, if you pay me enough, I could probably do it in my sleep, you know, but <laughs> it's not what I want to be known for or anything. Yeah. And that's the thing. Cameras are everywhere and they'll just film some stuff and people just want content and clicks and over like uh, substance and storytelling. And but it's not I don't know. It's I could come up with an analogy, but that's how I feel about that. You seem you seem bitter, bro. I'm not bitter. I just don't. I'm not like defensive. <laughs> I just don't like it, though. You know, I feel like. No, it, no, I get you. I, that's fair enough. But because then it also devalues like 
people who put in a lot of work to elevate the art of the song, you know, and then it's like, oh, well, why do we have to do all this when we can just have a cheap shoot that's just flashy shit and whatever. And then people, I feel like the stuff I came up doing that I excelled at isn't like in vogue anymore because people would rather have a bunch of like right flashy shit than like, you know, I feel like it's like, it's, it's like, Hey, why should I go pay for lunch when I could go walk around Costco and get a bunch of free samples? You know, I feel like it's, it's like that. That's actually a really good analogy because maybe you're like, well, because I don't want to eat little bites of 10 different things. I want to sit down and eat one thing. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And I want to have an appetizer that makes sense with the salad and the, you know, entree. Yeah. And neither one of those is good or bad. It's just different things. Yeah. You you made an interesting point about like kind of what you became really good at not being in vogue as much. But I kind of wonder if that is, I don't know if changing is the right word, but do you know like the overcast AZ guys? I don't, who are they? They do all the like, all the like real videos for a lot of those rappers like uh daniel jordan is like one of the guys i'm unfamiliar with them i'll I'll send i'll send you some links they're doing like your kind of videos Mm -hmm. for some of those rappers Uh and and it's really interesting to see what happens when they do actually have somebody directing that you know has a little bit more of i guess i would call it like a big boy kind of approach to it as you would Mm do and it's pretty interesting and it definitely my first thought was like, oh, why are they doing that? Like, they don't, I like those like raw, shitty videos. Why are they doing something fancy? But then you see the fancy video, and, and then I'm like, well, it's kind of hard to go back to the old shitty ones now. There is something to this. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's just, I don't know. I feel like it's all art. So at the end of the day, if that raw, shitty look, uh, uh, it might not be technically perfect or, or what I want to do, but it might add to the mood of the song. And then so it's like, okay, well, if, you watch this video and you have a bunch of like flashy, I don't know, like B roll cut in with gritty yeah, yeah. rapping at a thing that might, that might reinforce the mood of the song. So, I mean, it kind of makes sense with some of their music because the music doesn't make any sense either. Yeah, totally. The, the music is like the audio version of that. It, I mean, you put it to like, you know, how some rappers get big off songs with no choruses, you know, it's like, what is, right. what is going on? There's this, then there's that. Or like a lot of hardcore bands worked. too. It's like, I don't remember anything about the song, but I guess it was cool, you know? <laughs> right. Like Vane has no real hooks or mm-hmm. choruses or no. anything like that. But it's intense as hell. So it's like, I mean, that, yeah, that's the thing. It's like if I were to, okay, take Vane, for example. I saw him in Orlando a couple months ago. I saw him before that in a skate park with a shitty sound. So I was like, all right, this is cool, but whatever. Then I saw him at Soundbar here and they had like friend did lighting for him. And it was just like so intense. And crazy and the crowd was just like going ape shit. And so it's like, okay, for example, if I had to do, if I got a chance to do a video with them, a big part of it is like, you want that video to be as intense as their aura is, you know, it's not just like, they're like, yeah, you could do a bunch of quick cuts and that would work too. But like, what's something that would like take their, I don't know, energy live and you make it into a visual. So that's just, that's a good example because it's, you got it. You have to tailor it for the artists and everything. Yeah. So with all of that being said, I do think the one through line to all your work, which you would still do, even if all you had was an iPhone and iMovie is that you always start with like an idea 
rather than like, well, let's just, you know, you don't settle for the default, which is the thing I've been talking about lately for, you know, specifically for bands, but it applies to companies too, or like, don't settle for the default where the default in rock is the band playing in a warehouse. Mm -hmm. And you never settle for the default. You always find a way to add some sort of a twist, regardless of what the budget is. Can you talk about kind of where that comes from? Good question. I haven't thought about it in terms like that before. Really, it comes down to like, I always say this, how is it going to reinforce the theme of the song? Sometimes it's more theme or mood, but lyrics, well, good lyrics should have a point to them. So the song obviously means something. And what is that overriding something? It's like, okay, now, yeah, instead of starting with just visuals, like, yeah, you could put flashing lights, performance, cut it quick, do a bunch. That's like, the performance is easy, you know? But yeah, I think it's always just, what's the point? And as a director, what can I do to make that point more obvious or add some depth to it? Maybe if a song has a simple chorus, but it's something people can relate to, like, I don't know, like, I miss you, come back to me, whatever. I'm going to make, I don't know. I'm sure someone has that in a song. Blink-182. Yeah, so if you make a song like that that's simple, but it obviously has, could have some very strong emotions, well, how do you add depth to that song in the video? You know, like, yeah, it reinforces the point, but how are you going to add depth to it? And then you got to step back and say, okay, does it need a story? Does it need more, like, symbolic vignettes in it? Like, whatever. And you kind of, like, it's kind of like writing a paper. You start off with your, you know, thesis, and then you, like, reinforce it with, you know, open up a paragraph, and it's, like, details, 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 conclude it back. Mm -hmm. You know, that's the way I've always looked at it, where it's, like, you got to have a point to it. How often does it happen where the band is like, wow, you nailed it. That's exactly the point of this. I'm so glad you picked that up versus when you realize like, oh, I totally got it wrong. That's not at all what they wanted or what they were trying to say. It's another good question. I don't know. I mean, you probably don't hear it when you get it totally wrong. You probably just never hear about it. Yeah, I just never get a response back. Like this isn't what we were looking for, which is fine. Yeah, I've really had it. I've really actually had it where people like, oh, you nailed it from the get go. Like, read it and like, oh, this is perfect. Okay, like the beaten in leap lips video for Beartooth. Yeah, that was one before we shot it that Caleb, the singer and their rep, they were like, oh, this is perfect. We, you know, this is exactly the right tone we want for it. It normally comes after the video is done because a lot of times you see things in your right. head and you try to describe it the best you can in the treatment. Then when it's done, then I've had to be like, oh, this is perfect. You know, this is what we want. Step into the world of power, loyalty, and luck. I'm gonna make him an offer he can't refuse. With family, cannolis, and spins mean everything. Now, you wanna get mixed up in the family business. Introducing The Godfather at ChompaCasino.com. Test your luck in the shadowy world of The Godfather slot. Someday, I will call upon you to do a service for me. Play The Godfather now at ChompaCasino.com. Welcome to the family. No purchase necessary. VGW Group. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. Welcome to us talking about our podcast for a minute. What's the name of that podcast? That's Axe to Grind. Uh, and right now you're going to be getting a little a little taste of it, right down to the shaky microphone and all. <laughs> and my name's Bob. And my name's Patrick. And usually we're joined by Tom. Tom's the best. Tom has a real grown-up job that requires him to be at work. But we talk about decidedly not-so-grown-up things like... Hardcore music and things that people that like hardcore music tend to like. So that could be the latest shows, uh, 
revisiting classic material, talking about the new classics, um, all the little dorm room nonsense that you imagine from a niche music podcast that, that you either love, want to love, or hate. Yeah, imagine all the emotions that you have towards a genre that, that uh, has impacted your life uh, and then condense them down to an hour to two hours a week. So triangulate your speakers, think about jumping off the bed, singing along, dancing like an idiot, and listen to Axe Grind Podcast. But first, I want to thank DistroKid for sponsoring this episode of the podcast. If you're not familiar, DistroKid is a digital music distribution service that musicians use to put their music into online stores and streaming services. So in plain language, if you have ever wondered how to get your music on iTunes, Spotify, Apple Music, YouTube Music, Amazon, Deezer, Tidal, and many, many more, there's like dozens and dozens of different streaming services. DistroKid is the way to do it. It is super easy. I have used it to put my music on Spotify. It took me maybe five minutes to like set it up and upload everything. It's legitimately awesome. I am sincerely a fan of this company and their product. And for those of you who have asked, you can also upload your music to TikTok with DistroKid. And if you want a chance to get featured on DistroKid's Spotify playlists, You can do that by submitting a song through Spotlight and getting your fans to vote for you. You can also use HyperFollow to get more Spotify followers. You can promote your new release as well as Spotify Canvas. That's where there's the video in the background in the player. And when you share it on Instagram, it shares that video too to make your Spotify release pop. And Spotify Canvas is available to all DistroKid artists. Like I said, as you can probably tell from this, like I am sincerely a fan of DistroKid. DistroKid can do everything I just talked about and so much more. So be sure to sign up with my link, which is in the show notes for this episode, to get 7% off your first year. That link is in the show notes of this episode or go to distrokid.com slash VIP slash the punk rock NBA. And thanks again to DistroKid for sponsoring this episode. So let me let me back out there for anyone who's not familiar. Okay. What is the treatment? So let's say I'm in Bring Me the Horizon and this is our new single and we tell our commissioner, hey, go find us a director and you're one of those people. What happens after that? So a treatment is basically a description of your idea with pictures, mood boards to support it. You want to be descriptive in telling what you're doing like it's just hard when you see something in your head you have to figure out how to describe it accurately so is this like a pdf or what What do you send them yeah it's a pd yeah I, I i type it up in like word or whatever and then i make a pdf in photoshop with a bunch of pictures you know uh, especially i've learned like a lot of us directors we tend to write really wordy and technical to try to really really explain all the cool stuff we want to add the little stuff but bands don't like sure reading don't. Um, a lot of stuff. And they, especially if they get like, if they're looking at 20 different treatments, they want to see pictures that, you know, I don't snag stuff offline. Maybe it's a photo I took or something else, whatever it is to like create the mood on it. Yeah. And then from there, they pick the treatment they like the best. And then if they want changes, you go from there. But yeah, also fun fact to those don't know, those can take like a couple days to make up, especially if you don't have like the idea right off the bat. And I would always rather have my idea fully visualized 
on the treatment than do something like half-ass and be like, I don't know if I can really right. pull this off or something I don't really like. And then they're like, we like it. How are we going to do it? And I'm like, shit, I don't know. You know? <laughs> like, <laughs> like, Oh, yeah. You're jumping out of a cargo plane on a $3,000 budget? Yeah. Uh... And then you work on those and you don't get paid for those. You just uh, might get the job and then you don't know how many other people are writing on it or anything. It's always kind of a gamble of like, do I want to take a day or two out of my schedule to write this thing that I write on this thing that I may or may not get? And that's just a decision you have to make every time. Or do you write on all of them? Or how do you think about that? I write on as many as I can. And then it comes down to like stuff like, oh, you know, sometimes it's a, sometimes it's like I've gotten it where like like a Foo Fighters treatment where, you know, everyone in LA is writing on it. And that's like a huge budget. And I would love to direct or if it's like uh, these two smaller bands that I kind of know or they know my stuff, it's a probably a better chance I'm going to get those, but like it's way less money. So you got that's the decision. And then also just shit like, you know, I'm freelance. So it's like, all right, I got this edit due on Friday and I need to get paid. And then Thursday night comes in and they're like, here's an awesome treatment. They want an idea by the end of day Friday. And you're like, shit, like, do I just not sleep tonight? And then get it try to get something in i've done that before where i'm like all right i'll power through this edit and i'll stay up all night and then i just didn't have an idea and then i'm just like i missed the deadline you know and it there's a million of things one things that can happen sometimes i just turn down i do sometimes turn down treatments if i just don't like want to be associated with it you know like uh for example like one thing i've just told everybody who's ever asked me to do this and i don't guess it wouldn't be that surprising like tackling teen suicide i'm like i'm not touching that it'd be so easy to misconstrue it get the point wrong and that could yeah. influence someone that's just like one example or playing with fire yeah or if you make it so clear it's just like like a corny dare commercial you know what i mean and then it's not like yeah. i just so many bands are like oh we'll do something like a troubled teen and their hearts are in the right place but i'm just like that's something I just don't touch, you know? Yeah. Like people ask me all the time to make videos about skinheads <laughs> and I, I'm always just like, Nope. <laughs> don't feel like get my ass kicked. <laughs> Either that or, you know, there's just so many different ways that that could go wrong. Yeah. Versus like, maybe I could thread the needle and do like some really thoughtful video saying something, you know, really thought provoking that no one's had ever said before. That's, possible that's like a five percent chance or there's a 95 percent chance that it goes bad in one of 10 different ways yeah totally and then there was this other i forget what band it was they wanted like some girl in a cage getting whipped and i'm like "Ah, just gonna find someone else to do this what was that was such a weird trend in like the late 2000s of like the girl getting tortured as part of the video yeah you know what i mean it's like there were so many videos like that yeah, I remember like an old Carnifex video had that, and I was just like, what, what the hell is going on here, you know? like, <laughs> I feel like probably one band did it, and then everyone else did it without thinking, just because, mm-hmm. like, oh, that's what you do. Yeah, who the hell knows? I mean, there's stuff like that. And then other times, like, if people want really, like, like a horror-themed video, I just, I don't really watch a lot of horror. I'll do something if it was kind of funny, but, like, sometimes it's like, Okay, that could be a cool idea. I'm not your guy, you know. Like I just yeah. wouldn't. I wouldn't be. You know, that'd be a real weakness uh, going into it. And then I feel like that's just not my lane. I don't think. Or like you know, always turn down country songs. 
let's say it's some huge band that you would love to work with, like Slipknot, mm-hmm. but they really have their heart set on a horror thing. How would you handle something like that? I would just go into specifics. I don't think I'd ever get that chance because I think Clown does all their videos. But like, uh, well, whatever. So fill in the yeah, blank. Yeah, yeah. So whatever band. Yeah. I mean, it would just say like, okay, well, why do you want this? If it was a huge band, I would still try it. You know, I'd challenge myself. But yeah, it would depend on what they want. You know, I don't know. It's just that's that's just one thing I see, and especially working with like aggressive bands, people request stuff like that, and it's like, okay, that totally makes sense for your band. But like, I feel like I would just be like, well, what do you want to do? <laughs> you know, like, yeah. But I feel like if they already had an idea that I could, I could elevate it with like, you know, smart cinematography or, or things like that, I, I definitely would try it. But yeah, like there was one, there was one time I was really close to doing a corn video and God, we were working in one direction and I rewrote on this thing for like almost a month. They were on tour. So it wasn't like a big rush. And I rewrote on this thing and we were going in all these different directions and then I was like waiting to hear back from it. And then I saw the video and it was like some other director did it. I guess the band just changed your mind. And it was like some lady in like a bathtub full of blood and a bunch of bloody people. I'm like, wow, that isn't anything like they were talking about. So I don't know. Sometimes <laughs> I guess that was way off the mark. Yeah. Sometimes it's like, do you want to do something different? Like what? You know, it's, it's yeah. I mean, that's something I would have. I mean, it's corn. So I would have totally took the job, you know, but I'm like. Uh, okay you know but i don't know it's just you kind of i can't be like a snob about stuff or just say oh that's beneath me it's just like you know but you also don't want to set yourself up for for failure by taking something on that you're just not that's just not your thing yeah and, and that's the thing like when i was saying earlier like why is this shot in here you have to know why and why is it like it's part of the story or creating mood or whatever yeah i don't want to set myself up to fail and then also, like, if I'm doing other work, like, I don't want to waste my time writing a treatment that I'm just, like, probably won't get, you know? That's all. Or, like, but I, I joke, it's a joke, but not really. My executive producer, he's like, oh, man, you're in Florida. you got to do some of these country videos, big budgets and everything. And I'm just like, oh, dude, I fucking hate country music, man. Like, I'm not going to do them. And, he, like, I guess it was someone. So does, does it matter to you if you like the band or the song? No, but I just hate country music. Like, I just can't. You don't have to love it, but you can't hate it. Yeah, exactly. I feel like, you know how people have that gene that makes cilantro taste like soap? (laughs) Yeah. I feel like that's me with country music, except it tastes like, I don't know, dip or something. And I'm like, oh, I just, I just, me growing up in Florida, I just always hated like the trucks going by with like the rebel flags and mud in and all that. I'm just like, right. And then that's like, I'm not going to do something that they're going to like they're going to like, you know, I'm not your guy. You never know. Who knows? I just, it depend on it. If it was, I just don't want to, it would, it would have to be a lot of money or something that was just like just a performance or something, but still that's just me being like honest with them. What if one of the, I'm sure there's somebody in one of those bands that probably is like some seven star mega fan or something like that. That just seems like the coolest person that you guys all like know the same people. And they were like, Drew, I I know that you don't like our music, but we love your work. You are an awesome guy. I really want you to work on this. Would you bite the bullet and work on something you just absolutely hate on a musical level? Or would you pass? It would depend on what they wanted. You know, I feel like I don't want to promote the, uh, ignorant redneck lifestyle but if it was a guy that was like hey i'm doing country stuff now i like your style 
what could you do? Then no big deal. But I just don't like that lifestyle. So if they were like, yeah, mud in, yeah. trucks, chicks that look like we picked them up at the bowling alley, I'm like, you know, I don't want to promote that. You sound like uh, my wife. She gets so like just physically uncomfortable around like country white people stuff. Yeah. She's just like, are we almost there? Like, I don't like, <laughs> yeah. I don't like driving through this part. Okay. I'm joking around part of the way because it's like, I like just like making fun of that stuff. But it's me knowing my strengths and weaknesses. Yeah. That's just me being honest. If some artist is dead set on, like, I like I love your style, but I want to do this video, like this type of video, which I don't like, I'm like, I'm not gonna, I'm not your guy. Like, get a director that's really gonna like take what you want and like bring in all these other things. I'm not even like just not the guy. I'm just not your guy. Yeah. It's like Yeah, it's not exactly the same, but you know, people ask me all the time to make videos about certain bands like Dance Gavin Dance being the most common example. Yeah. And it's not that I think I'm too good to make a video about them. I just wouldn't do a good job of it because yeah, I'm just not the guy. Like no yeah. disrespect to them. I totally respect what they do. I don't like it, but I totally respect it. I would just do a bad job no matter how hard I tried because I don't feel it. I'm not excited mm. about it. I'm not inspired. And yeah. I would be phoning it in and it wouldn't be good. That's exactly my point. Like, like when you, you, I see your comments on there, are people like, do something about ska. And you're like, I didn't listen to ska. I don't know what to tell you. I would just, you know. I mean, I did a little bit, but it's the same thing. I'm yeah. just like, I don't. It's like, do you need me to. I don't have anything to say. Do you need me to just Google a bunch of stuff and tell you what I yeah. think I should say? You know, like, it's just, I feel like. Uh, Any of these things where my reaction would be like, it's okay, I guess. Yeah. Like, yeah. Well, I feel yeah, like, it's you fine. know. Like the phrase "jack of all trades, master at none." I feel like you need yeah. to know like your strengths, and and a big part of me being a director, which I, I um, learned early on, is my biggest part is to direct a team. Like there's some people who, especially when I was starting off, they were like, "I'm a director, writer, cinematographer, editor," and you could be all those things at different times. But my best videos are when I have the best crew. You know, I have like producer that can just. They're on the producer does like the logistical side of things, like find location, getting someone in the crew. Cinematographer is the biggest thing. If I, if it's someone I really uh, like working with and then they, they have that, then they're the best at what they do is. So when I'm thinking of how to bring in these story elements or subtleties in the shot or what have you, they're looking at the light and composition to see how it could like, where does that motivation come in? And that's just an example of like, you have to know your strengths and play towards. And when I've tried to like, I like challenging myself and branching out, but when you go a little too, you spread yourself a little too thin, you're not like the one guy we need for this thing. You're just another guy. That's like all the other guys, you know, I, I think that's such a big one. And I know that creative people don't like to hear that because, you know, we all have a lot of interests and we all kind of think it's mm -hmm. fun to get our hands on different things. And so I understand that. But at the same time, being a three out of 10 at a bunch of different things is not a good place to be No, because you're only going to get the shit work that the specialists either turned down or they didn't have the budget or something like that. And you just don't want to be that person. And I hear, especially with videos, these days there's a lot of people who for example like for some reason there's a lot of producers like music producers that think they should also help bands with making music videos 
And I'm always just like, dude, you don't even understand what you're saying. Like, it's so fucking hard yeah. to even be good at one part of making music videos mm -hmm. and being a good producer. It's like, you, it's just not humanly possible yeah. to be really good at both of those things. And you're just going to end up doing a shit job at both of them. Yeah. And it's like, yeah, you could have an idea, but then you got to know when you have you need to pass the idea off to someone else, you know? That's what I always recommend is like make a partnership with somebody who is good at music videos mm -hmm. and set up an arrangement where when the band wants a video you and asks you if you can do it, you say, no, I don't do videos, but let me put you in touch with him or her because mm -hmm. she's great and we have a good relationship and I can help you get the idea across to her and she'll do it for you. Yeah, exactly. It's just like, I'm somewhat musically inclined, but I can't like, I've seen Andrew Wade do it a million times. Someone will have a start of idea. I can't do what he does. And then he's like, oh, the chorus should go like this or that. And then this and this, because he's been, he does it all the time. And they're like, oh, that sounds amazing. Yeah. And I could have like, you might have one good idea or a couple, you might have a, a bunch of great ideas, but knowing how to implement them and deliver. Yes. Is a totally different story. So what would your advice be then for somebody who does want to do video of any kind? I'll say in particular music videos, but just any person that wants to be a creative video maker, whether that's documentaries or anything like that. And let's say that person is in the place where you might have been like 12 years ago or something like that, where you made a couple little things, but, you know, kind of don't really have a lot of traction. What would you tell that person in 2020? Good question again. I think ultimately what I've done is always strive for quality. At the end of the day, I mean, there's tons of creatives, especially on Instagram, they're getting tons of followers and like tons of little jobs because they're just overloading with content. And it's like, I'm not hating on that. It's like, do your thing, but you're going to become in demand when your videos have a point and is followed up with it. I think if there's depth to it, people can tell right away because that's the thing. Like there's a ton of great videos out there that um, even of bands, you know, you and I like that are just like good looking, like well lit performances. And, you know, it's cool if you like the song and you're going to check it out. But afterwards, you're like, I don't need to watch that again. Yeah, exactly. It might as well be a visualizer, essentially. Exactly. And, and you know, sometimes people need that. And it's like, cool, do it if you get a job, you know, even if it's something simple do something that makes people want to watch it again or make them think about why did they do that what if someone is saying well yeah that's easy for you to say because you've got all this gear and these big budgets and they think that they're held back by a lack of resources what would you say to that you could do it at any budget level you just have to be smart about it and you have to prioritize what you're doing like i use this example all the time you know, where people are like, oh, did you see the new Taylor Swift video? It's amazing. And I'm like, well, it should be amazing. She's only one of the biggest artists yeah. in the world. She could pick any creative. I think she directed her last one, but she has all these resources. But at the end of the day, her videos are still good because they have a point. You might not like the point or whatever, yeah. but it's like there's a bunch of like bands, you know, that I work with or uh, like the same kind of scene where it's like it looks amazing because a ton of money was dumped into it. But then it's like, what was this? You know, so you can have a huge right. budget and no point and you can have a tiny budget and a very strong point to me. And as far as gear goes, an iPhone 11 is almost certainly way better than the DSLR you were working with in 2010. Oh, for sure. Yeah, it's it's stupid. It's <laughs> it's no, not stupid in a negative way. It's just crazy. Um, yeah, I mean, 
the resources are there. So you just have to prioritize. And computers are so much more mm-hmm. powerful. I mean, just it's embarrassing how good the tools are now for yeah. such an affordable price. Yeah. And that's the thing. Like you, for, for any budget, you can still get a good quality lit thing. You know, say if you're shooting a video and you don't have like a huge budget, like, man, we can't, we don't have a lighting budget. Okay. We'll figure out how you're going to do it with natural light. Okay. If you don't have a big crew, how are you going to do it? Shoot it one or two man crew. And part of that is like, okay, what time of day, what locations do we want? What time of day is the best lighting? If we have just a handheld like iPhone, well, we'd better have simple statics, like still shots that are well composed that you don't see jiggliness of a moving camera. Those are just examples, you know. You, you don't you don't have, I don't know what do you call it, a dolly or whatever, but you have an office chair. Yeah, exactly. And and if those shots don't work, then figure out how else you're gonna shoot it, you know? And uh yeah, it's just um for example, I saw that movie uh The Florida Project recently, hated it, but at the end of it, <laughs> uh, they um it's basically people not from Florida making a movie about how trashy Florida yeah. is. And it's like, you're like, I hate Florida, but you're not only I'm allowed to say it, not you. Yeah. Yeah. It's like, yeah, my sister sucks. Then your friend says, yeah, your sister does suck. Like, man, you can't say that, you know? Anyways. Yeah. But regardless of all that, at the end of the movie, they uh, shot the last scenes in Disney world with an iPhone. So they didn't have to get permits or whatever, but it looked like shit uh-huh. because the whole rest of the movie was like beautifully shot on like 16 millimeter film. Like, regardless of what you think about the movie, it looked incredible. Then the last, it was all shaky handheld iPhone with this weird wobble. And it was just like, you could have done the same thing, just snuck in in like a baby tripod, like one you could fit in your hand. And you could have had like clean, nice cinematography to match the rest of it. And maybe the director wanted that. It won awards. I don't know why. But like, um, that's an example of like, okay, using resources you have to get what you want. But then you have to like think about how it's going to be executed. So that was a lot of examples, but I, I think ultimately if you have to have a point to why you're doing something, don't think about just the way it'll look first. Yeah. You have to think, how should it look? Is it a dark song? Is it a happy song? How should it make the audience feel? And then how do I execute that? Yeah, exactly. You have to have a point. How am I going to do it? How am I going to work within my means? And then always have the goal of like whatever the budget is, try to make it look five times bigger. That's always been something how I've always like, you know, I get a $10,000 budget back in the day. And then I'm like, I want to make this look like a $50,000 video. And like, how am I going to do it? You know, there's been a million ways I've done that, but that's what I've always, that's one thing I think I I'm not best at everything, but that's what one consistent comment I get about my stuff. I mean, I agree with that. You know, you did a couple commercials for our mm-hmm. company, for URM Academy, two years ago or something like that, and they look fucking incredible. And that was another thing with those. It was like, okay, well, like, I think a budget was like a grand or so on them, but it was like, okay, well, we have a studio space. What are we going to do within the space? We have some available lighting. What's an idea that we can, for that, it's like, we have to shoot it all in one space. We have... It needs to be shot in a day, limited crew, you know, like, okay, well, can we green screen it? Do we have enough, like, do we have a green screen? Do we have enough lights to make that work? Do we have enough distance in the room to make that work? Yes. Okay. What are we going to do to fill in the gaps? And that was just working within your means to make it look like something that it's, that it wasn't. And we came up with the idea for those and probably a half hour phone conversation. Yeah. You wrote the final script and then banged it out and it was like they're amazing. I mean, you nailed it on that. And uh, it's crazy to me that I've worked with other like full on Mm -hmm. agencies that 
couldn't do something that good with a budget like 10 times bigger, which means yeah. you need to raise your rates. That's a whole nother story. <laughs> but point being, for anybody listening who's, you know, not necessarily working as a, a freelancer, you know, if you're making your own shit, how do you make it look like you had a five times bigger budget than you actually did? And if you want to know how to do that, go watch all Drew's work and ask yourself how can you like whatever you think the budget was it was way smaller than what it actually was and think about how he pulled it off yeah and then the other video we did um that for like the infomercial looking one we had that same studio space but we're like all right well let's just make it look lo-fi if it's gonna look like yeah if we don't have like crazy lighting budget and a smaller camera well let's just make it look like the old shitty infomercials you know and that one I think that's got the best response because well, my friend Paul, who was the host, was just a riot. Great, you know. But um, that's the most successful piece of marketing material we've ever had by far. Yeah, and that's and, you know, and that's like all the people in it were all my friends that weren't doing anything. I was like, who wants to come out and act like a bad actor? You know, because in the infomercials, yeah. it's like someone tries to shave and they cut a gash on their leg and everything like that. So I just called up some friends, and then Paul, the main guy in it, like if you hang out with him, like we'll just, I'll just go over his house and hang out or whatever. And he just is like that all the time. He's just like spitting out characters and, and it's just kind of like pulling your resources to work within your means. And you know, it works. Yeah. Cool. Well, I will let you go. I've taken up enough of your time, but hopefully that was interesting and inspiring and informative or something else for anybody out there who's making shit. Thank you so much for taking time out of your day to uh, break it down for everybody. Anything that you want to add or plug before I let you go? Uh, well, thanks for the opportunity. Uh, hopefully, this gives some insight to what I do. I don't know. ain't really got anything to plug right now unless uh, if you want once you uh, hear this and think I'm amazing and want to pay me a lot for a music video, hit me up. I mean, <laughs> which you should. If you need any sort of video of any kind, I cannot recommend Drew highly enough. So if you made it this far into the podcast and you need a video, give Drew a shout. Thanks. All right, my friends, that does it for this episode of the podcast. If you made it this far, thank you. Thank you for listening. We sincerely appreciate each and every one of you. If you want to help the show, there's a couple things that you can do. First of all, share it on social media. If you share it, tag us, tag Finn McKenty, that's me, and tag Deanna Chapman, that's a producer. Second thing you can do, if you really, really, really love us and really want to support us, you can support us on Patreon. There's a link to that in the show notes. You can leave a review on Apple Podcasts or wherever else you're listening to this, or you can do none of that, and you can just sit at home thinking about how awesome this podcast is. That works, too. Again, thank you very much to each and every one of you for listening. We sincerely appreciate it, and we'll see you next time. Lucky Land Casino, asking people, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car, before my kid's PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Hey, this is Chris Swinney, formerly of the Ataris and currently host of That One Time on Tour, part of the Sound Talent Media Podcast Network. Have you ever wondered what it's really like on the road? The highs can be euphoric, but the lows can be crushing. Join me every week as I chat with industry pros about what it's like living out their wildest dream and, in some cases, their worst nightmare. Past guests of the show include members of NoFX, Pennywise, Bad Religion, and more. Listen and subscribe at SoundTalentMedia.com.